today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. For the most part, men are fixers, okay? If there's a problem, we want to fix it. And if our wives share with us a situation, something that's going on in their lives, we want to go out into the shed, grab our toolbox, come back in, put it on the table and start ruffling through it and find out what do I need to do to fix this problem? When in reality, our wives simply want us to have a hearing ear and a hearing heart that is able to listen to what's going on in their lives with absolutely no need to get it fixed at that point in time. The Bible teaches that husbands are to honor and love their wives as Christ loves and honors the church. In today's message, Pastor David gives men practical advice on just how to fulfill these instructions. Husbands honor their wives when they listen to her without trying to immediately fix the situation or circumstances. When a husband provides for his wife and cares for both her physical and spiritual needs, he is showing his love and devotion to her through his actions. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Likewise, You Husbands, from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 3. Warren Wiersbe, he wrote this, Why did Peter devote more space to instructing the wives than he did to the husbands? He writes, Because the Christian wives were experiencing a whole new situation and needed guidance. In general, women were kept down in the Roman Empire, and their new freedom in Christ created new problems and challenges. Furthermore, many of them had unsaved husbands and needed extra encouragement and enlightenment. So I believe that if we look at it in that light, in the understanding that as Peter's writing to the first century church and the, the grand dynamic that's taking place in all of that, I mean, truly an upsetting of the culture that surrounded them, I think we're going to get a better glimpse and better understanding of what and why Peter not only said what he did to the women, but also what he said to the men. We're in First Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 7 this morning. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, dwell with your wives, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wives. As to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. When we look back at the book of Acts, we, we, we see places where it appears that the Lord is really moving in the hearts and the minds and the spirits of women. 
We have no way of calculating back in the first century church the percentage of men over women that were coming into the church. But one of the things that I see is Luke is writing, and again, a a very meticulous account there in the book of Acts of how the Spirit of God is moving within the people during that time. We read such passages as in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and his company went to Philippi, they went down to the riverside where the worship time was being held and there it was only women that were there and as he opened up the gospel message to them it says in particular that one woman by the name of Lydia uh, a, a professional woman, a, a woman who sold purple uh, uh, cloth and, and, and garments, uh, that Lydia came to the Lord, her and her household. It doesn't say anything about her husband or any men in that situation. A little bit later in the book of Acts, as Paul and his group went to Thessalonica, we read that as Paul preached there, that a great multitude of devout Greeks were persuaded. And then he also writes that not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Then a little bit later, when it comes to the outreach into the town of Berea, in, still in chapter 17 of Acts, We read that therefore many of them in Berea believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. So Luke is bringing out this fact that there were women that were coming in to the household of faith. The percentage-wise, again, we don't know. But I do know that in that culture, just as it is today, should a woman come to faith in Christ while her husband remains as a non-believer, it presents more of a hardship than it would that if the husband were to come to Christ first and then the wife. So I believe that perhaps Peter wrote the words to the wives a little bit lengthier because even as Wiersbe says, as a word of encouragement and a word of just uh, uh, lifting them up to remain strong in the faith, to keep the faith, even if their husbands are non-believers. So let's move on. As we look at Peter's message to the husbands, Peter doesn't address the husbands in the same way that he does the wives. Uh, he doesn't address that they have the same problem as a believing husband and a non-believing wife. As a matter of fact, Peter pretty much takes for granted that, that both of them are believers. He uses that phrase in that verse when he speaks of both of them being heirs together of the grace of life. So as Peter begins this instruction to the husbands in reference to their wives, he says this word. He says, dwell with them. With understanding, with understanding, much more than simply dwelling together. The Lord calls for us as husbands to dwell together with understanding. Gentlemen, what that means, and let me have all the attention, particularly of the married men and perhaps those that aren't married at this time that may get married someday. Gentlemen, you need to be students of your wives. You need to be students of your wives in every aspect of who they are. You need to learn continually about them. And I want to give you this little hint, and wives, just don't listen for a second. Guys, this is just for you. You will never graduate that school, guys. You will never graduate that school. Study, study, study. 
dwelling with our wives, dwelling together is much more than just simply a, a, a living arrangement uh, or physical proximity with them. The physical togetherness, the relation, the intimacy, all of those come into the equation, but there are way too many marriages, I'm afraid, even Christian marriages today, that dissolve simply into a housing arrangement where two complete strangers share the same roof, perhaps share the same bed. They become roommates rather than lovers. They become joint tenants rather than one flesh. Because investments haven't been made into the relationship. Investments of time, investments of energy, investments of the heart. The priority has not been given to the enrichment of that oneness in God that's been the purpose and and, and the direction of marriage since God first brought it into being there in the garden. How many times, guys, have our wives made the statement, You're not listening to me. And in our ignorance, we respond back, sure, I'm listening to you. I heard every word that you said. Without understanding that the problem isn't our auditory skills, the problem is our heart skills. It's not that we didn't hear with our ears. The problem is more often we haven't heard with our heart. And so, I'm going to be speaking in a broad sense today, okay? Do you understand that? It's a very broad brush that I'm going to to sweep in, in speaking both of women and men today. It's a broad brush that I think will probably hit most of us, but there's probably going to be those particular ones within the fellowship that uh, are going to hear that and say, that doesn't touch us at all. Uh, I, as a husband, I'm nothing like that. Well, let let me ask you to pause and reconsider that maybe you might be more than you want to admit that you are, okay? There's going to be things I'm going to say about women that perhaps some of you women might say, oh, I'm nothing like that. Well, let me ask you also to pause and consider that maybe there might be a little, just a smidgen of that in there with you. So as we go on, uh, I, I don't want you at the end of the message to take a stand against what I said, send me nasty emails or, or, or letters or come at me face-to-face uh, with the argument. Some people actually communicate face-to-face still, don't they, uh, instead of uh, through texting or whatever. But uh, for, the, for the most part, again, this broad general sense that we're speaking, for the most part, men are fixers, okay? If there's a problem, we want to fix it. And if our wives share with us a situation, something that's going on in their lives, we want to go out into the shed, grab our toolbox, come back in, put it on the table and start ruffling through it and find out what do I need to do to fix this problem? When in reality, our wives simply want us to have a hearing ear and a hearing heart that is able to listen to what's going on in their lives with absolutely no need to get it fixed at that point in time. But they do want to know that there is that understanding heart that you and I have as husbands to what's going on in their lives. And in order to understand that viewpoint, in order to understand what's going on in her life, guys, you need to have studied in advance, okay? You need to have prepared for it. On the day of the test, guys, 
it's too late to study, okay? You're too late at that point in time. You need to invest the time now, not later. Now, when you do hear and when you do understand, but you still disagree with her, and there's going to come those times, even the most loving and caring relationships, there's going to be times that the husband and the wife don't agree. Well, at that point in time, there needs to be an even greater heart of understanding. Our wives need to understand and they need to have an atmosphere of trust that's been brought on by past experiences, at, at least by, by past good experiences, okay? And they need to know that they can trust us in every aspect. And they also need to have that confidence to know that the Spirit of God is working in and through your life. If they understand that you're listening and you're desiring for the Spirit of God to control your life and to lead your life, then when there are those times of conflict, they're much more likely to trust, even though they may not agree, to trust things and to be at peace and at ease during that time. She needs to know that she has a strong spiritual covering, not a smothering blanket. There's many times, even particularly within the Christian community, that the wives are almost smothered by the men's attitudes, directions, plans, all of those things, rather than knowing, no, it's a spiritual covering that's there. With that spiritual covering, that's going to allow her to know that you see within her the validity of what she feels and what she understands. It's going to allow her to see uh, herself as a partner in faith with you, a partner in marriage and a partner in life. Again, by being a spiritual covering rather than that smothering blanket. Peter goes on to say that we as husbands should not only, we're dwelling with understanding, not only that, but we should also continually be giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Let's understand the first part first. This idea of giving honor. What exactly is Peter saying and, and how do we put this into action in our lives and in our marriage relationships? That phrase that Peter uses for giving honor, the word honor comes from the Greek word time. It's spelled like time, T-I-M-E, but it's pronounced time. And it's best understood as dignity, honor, to esteem, or to be precious. So again, giving honor is a recognition of esteeming to the highest degree, counting as valuable, and to reckon her as precious. Peter uses that same word a little bit earlier in his letter in chapter 2, verse 7, when he speaks about Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, 7, he says, Therefore, to you who believe, he, speaking of Jesus, is time. He is precious. It's the same word that he says that you and I need to reckon our wives as in giving honor. Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses that word throughout his writings, speaking again of giving honor or teammate to those to whom honor is due. This call for Christian men to honor or highly esteem our wives was absolutely unique within that Greco-Roman culture. 
within Christianity for a man to come up and reckon his wife as, again, highly esteemed, to honor her in that way, uh, was, was totally unheard of in the culture of the day. Christianity was birthed during a time when the culture considered a wife as not much more than a slave, not much more than just a piece of property. Well, beloved, Jesus changed all of that. Jesus changed it all. Guys, our wives are a precious vessel of God. They need to be understood as that very gracious gift of God. And again, and uh, as, as we join together in that journey that we call pilgrimage, the time, the, the honor, the recognition that we demonstrate toward her in private and in public, in her presence, as well as in her absence, is a good gauge as to our true understanding of what a precious vessel, what a gracious gift she is from God. One of the things that Tot and I determined in the very early days, I believe while we were still dating, it was even before we got married, is that we wouldn't use each other for the butt of our jokes. In other words, we wouldn't uh, uh, pile on the other and, and make them the, the foolish one in order to make us look better, whether it be in private or in public, that we would always speak of each other, well, again, with the, with the highest of terms, with, with, the, with the most respect, and even when we argue with each other, that we're not going to say demeaning words to one another. And... You know what? We, we've been doing that and working at that. I can't say we've always been perfect, but we've worked very hard at that for the last 41 years. And it was just a couple of weeks ago that a friend of ours uh, was talking with us, and she said something along the line, oh, you should have heard what Tot said about you in kind of a joking manner. And, and then she kind of shook her head, and she said, no, you never say anything bad about him, do you? And she spoke to Tot, and Tot just looked at me and smiled, and I smiled back at her. Guys, that's esteeming, that's honoring. That's what we're to do to each other. But wives, for your husband, husbands, for your wives. Do you honor your wives in private as well as in public, in her presence or in her absence? God's word declares that we're to honor each other. So how are you working that out in your life? There's another descriptor that that Peter uses here in this passage. Again, speaking to the wives, giving honor to the wives. And he says, as a weaker vessel. Excuse me. We need to ask the question, in what ways are women really considered a a weaker vessel? Uh, As I look around the room this morning, I can see that probably maybe about 50% of you guys could take your wife on in an arm wrestling match. Okay, but uh, so, so. But I... Again, this isn't really where he's going with this. So what does he mean by they're a weaker vessel? Are women weaker morally or spiritually than men? There's no doubt about it that women are sinners. I'll just lay that out there. If you hadn't figured that out yet, women are sinners. But then so are men too, okay? So it really doesn't make it make any difference at that point in time. 
doesn't mean that they're off base spiritually any more than men. As a matter of fact, I feel that a pretty strong case can be made that nearly the opposite would be true in a general sense, that usually women morally are a little bit more in line than men are. Spiritually, many times they're more in tune than men are. Not all the cases, not every time, but we can see that. I don't believe that Peter is speaking about weaker morally or spiritually. Both both men and women, though, we both need a Savior. Both men and women can be spiritually bankrupt or spiritual giants. Both are used in various capacities in the ministry and in the overall work of the kingdom of God. And in a general sense, neither man nor woman is superior to the other morally or spiritually. So, as we look on into what Peter is saying, we, we need to remember what I shared before. When Jesus came into the world, there was this great spiritual leveling of the playing field. Paul reminds us that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if it's not morally and spiritually, what else could it be? How about intellect and emotion? Is she a weaker vessel in areas of intellect or emotion? Again, nowhere in the New Testament do we find the woman listed as intellectually inferior. Even within our culture today, women are in no way less capable intellectually than men. But yet, even in our culture, oftentimes we see this, what's called the glass ceiling, that men can be promoted through it, and yet women oftentimes are held down. Because they're less capable? No. I believe it's simply a a problem with our culture. Then we look at this idea of, again, the emotional plane. And we see, again, on a broad sense, on a wide scale, most women are more emotional than men. And women are oftentimes more capable of sharing their emotions than a man. However, simply because a man is more likely to hold his emotions in doesn't mean that he's stronger emotionally. As a matter of fact, that might show just the opposite because he's fearful of sharing his emotions, whereas a woman more often will open herself up and reveal her emotions. So what is it Peter's trying to say here? I feel that, again, it's it's pretty pretty plain, it's pretty clear that it's simply weaker in that physical sense. And again, speaking generally, most men are stronger than their wives, most of them, okay? And yet many times, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I've seen the endurance factor of a woman be much greater than a man. How many of you guys, you know, volunteer for childbirth? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ain't no way, no way. I've seen not only my wife, but, uh, other women go through a, a lot of pain and suffering and, and keep on going. When I got sick, I was done for. I, I just wanted to lay down and just don't do anything. She gets sick, she keeps pushing and going and going. But with this idea of weaker vessel, I believe that in the overall scope of what Peter is saying here, with the idea of all that he's saying, with with what we've seen already and what we know throughout Scripture, I think that what Peter is saying is the idea that our wives are a precious and a choice vessel 
of great honor before God. And yet, at the same time, they're delicate, they're easy to bruise, harm, or damage. And I believe that that can come in a multiple of ways. I think they can bru- be bruised or damaged easier than a man spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Men, as you understand that, and as you treat her in accordance with that, you'll find your relationship with her sweeter and deeper in every aspect. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter reminding us through this letter that persecution comes to every follower of Jesus. The encouragement to keep strong in faith in those times of trial is also a challenge, though. Instead of complaining, turn to Jesus. Instead of shrinking from the hard questions, embrace them with truth. Walking in faith and with hope isn't an easy task, but Jesus has promised to walk with us and give us the words we need to speak. We're so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word, and we hope you're leaving us today feeling stronger in your faith. Before we close our time with you today, though, Pastor David would like to ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. You know, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Your gift, large or small, is greatly appreciated for the kingdom of God. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for being a part of our time here today. Pastor David will return soon to continue studying 1 Peter right here on The Open Word.